0: one thing that almost all successful entrepreneurs have in common is that they communicate their message effectively and clearly, and that is what makes them stand out in the crowd, and that is what helps them to attract the right audience into their ecosystem. On the other hand, most unsex- unsuccessful or unnoticed or stock coaches and course creators are simply entrepreneurs find it difficult to stand out because guess what, they're not communicating properly or effectively. And that's exactly what we're going to discuss today on the Guru Show podcast. We have Brendan Kumaraswamy with us today who is going to share with us the three mistakes most online entrepreneurs make while communicating their products and services to the world. So let's dive in, let's welcome Brendan with drum rolls. Um, Hey Brendan, how are you? Thank you for joining in today.
1: Very good, Guri, great to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: So share a little bit um, about you, like where you come from, what do you do, how do you help your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely happy to. So so my story started in university, Guri. I went to business school in Montreal, Canada, where I'm based. And I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing cricket or rugby or footy or some other sport, As you can tell by looking at me, I'm not really built for that kind of stuff. I did professional sports for nerds, which is presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I had the idea for Master Talk because I was coaching a lot of the students who were younger than me. And I realized that everything I was coaching them on wasn't available for free on the internet. So that's what led to the YouTube channel. I started making videos on communication to help people who couldn't afford a communication coach. And then one thing led to another, and here we are today.
0: So for how long have you been doing this?
1: I've been coaching for six, seven years now, but I started Master Talk three years ago.
0: So Master Talk is like your YouTube channel that is specifically for entrepreneurs. You got it. Okay. So what led you to this, other than you know, the story that you just shared?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, Gary, you know, I worked at IBM for a few years as a technology consultant there for the Canadian, the US market. And I was doing really well financially. You know, I retired my mom really young. But I, but I think what was missing in my life was more on fulfillment. Like, what can I do to really create impact for the world? So once I realized that I had a really unique gift with communication, teaching it to other people, because one thing to know how to communicate, but it's a completely different skill to teach that skill to somebody else and because no one else before me especially for you know for our community not a lot of people really share this stuff for free like really openly and a hundred percent of the info is out there so i thought by being that person it could really help the next elon musk you know think about it when elon musk was 15 years old nobody cared about him no one was focused on seeing him succeed so i felt that if i could be that person for the next Elon Musk's of the world, whether they live in India, whether there's some girl in Utah, they could have access to those tools without ever talking to me. And I think that's really the magic of what I'm able to do.
0: Yeah. So we'll dive in more of that uh, on this episode today, but let's dive into the main topic. And the topic for today, for our conversation is basically the three mistakes that most online entrepreneurs make while communicating their products and services to the world. So let's dive into the first mistake. What is the first thing that you would want online entrepreneurs to stay away from, if I may say so?
1: Absolutely. So I would say the biggest mistake the entrepreneurs in general make, especially in the online space, is they don't focus on offline. So what does that mean? Is They're too focused on the funnels. They're too focused on getting their free training in. They're too focused on getting their PDF to people. But I think we seem to forget, Kuri, that at the end of the day, it's people buying services and products from other people. And because the entrepreneurs in the online space don't spend enough time having dinner with their key customers, having dinner with the people who are actually buying from them, the way that they message the product and offer back to the external world sucks. Right? versus when you have conversations with customers and you go, hey, why did you buy this? Why is this important to you? They're going to tell you, oh, it's because I always struggle with communication. I had a lack of confidence at work. I wasn't able to get my next job interview. Or if they're an entrepreneur, oh, I'm not able to scale my business. My team doesn't like me. So when you write all those things, when I when we go back to message the product, we could say something like, have you ever struggled getting your next per- Have you ever struggled with, even if you had all the knowledge in the world, people who are less talented than you are getting the promotion that you wish you could get? So notice I'm using my own customer's pain point messaging back to the new person. Because the goal of business is not to sell to 100 different people. It's to sell to the same person 100 times. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means the same type of person. Right. So let's say we take a tech executive. If you sell that person, you want to sell other tech executives because that's the person you're able to get the result for. So that's the number one mistake I see.
0: But then does that also mean that you're targeting the same avatar or um, like how do we replicate the same strategy or same message with, you know, 200 people?
1: Correct. And and this especially for those of you who are doing under a million dollars, you know what I always like to say, Gary, is like, and I didn't get this from me. I got this from a guy named Alex Harmozi. And he always says one product or service to one avatar, solving one specific pain point. And if you could just do that with enough people, you win, right? So for example, a lot of my clients are in the DCs de- or brown people who are technology professionals, right? But there's a lot of them, there's not like one of them. There's like thousands of, th- so yeah, it's a massive market. So, so that's the thing is I think a lot of us, especially those who are doing under 10K months, they focus too much on, oh, like, oh, I, this person's working, this person's working and this person's working. So their marketing is all over the place and especially their messaging right? The way they communicate is all over the place versus just going like, okay, out of everyone I'm serving right now, whether it's the entrepreneur, the executive, the coach, the marketing agency, who's getting the best results and why? It's like a simple question. And then once you figure out the answer, you know where to focus all of your messaging on.
0: That's interesting. And that kind of, um, you know, question pops in my mind that, how do we understand that this is our best avatar and this is what we should replicate to this particular avatar, you know, and multiple people.
1: Absolutely. It's a great follow-up question. So there's a couple of strategies that I'd recommend. Number one is especially if you're in a service-based business, that's most of my expertise product is different, but for service-based businesses, I would say, make a list of your top 10 clients, like in order of energy that you just love working with them and then look at those 10 people and ask yourself what percentage of them are in which category so when you look at that 10 you'll realize that some percentage are executives some of them are this some of them are that i would i would create that top 10 list and see which percentage is that's the first thing i would do The second thing I would do is really understand the result. So let me give you an example here with my business, because that's where I have the expertise in. Communication can be taught to everybody, right? I mean, students need this, preschoolers need this, uh, you know, homemakers need this. So it's really easy to go all over the place. Super easy. And that's what the YouTube channel is for, right? So everyone can access that. doesn't matter who you are. But for the business, it's very different. Because in the business, we need to ask yourself a different question, which is who's willing to spend money to get this solved? And that percentage of people goes down drastically. And what I found at the end of the day, Gary, and and the reason I'm saying this so people really understand how much I know my customer, is there's really three types of people are going to buy coaching services for communication. The coach Mm
0: -hmm. who wants
1: to make more than $100,000 a year messaging their offer the entrepreneur who wants to scale their business from six to seven and seven to eight. And the third one is going to be the executive who wants to get promoted. So when you look at all three of these demographics, the way that all of these people get results in communication is very different. Because the executive, because they're so terrible at communication, if you just increase it a little bit, they'll easily get their next job promotion. So for them the value is easy and it's super simple to get results for. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the coach, you need to spend a lot more time understanding their offer, re-messaging it, teaching them how to sell on prospect calls. You can still get them crazy results. It just takes more time. And then the entrepreneur, well, a lot of them are broke. So you got to be careful which one you're targeting because some of them don't really have money. So so notice how, why am I telling you all this? It's just to show you how I'm able to segment. That's why a lot of my focus is on Because I know all of them have income, all of them have money, and all of them have a big pain, and they want to solve the pain. Focus all of my energy on those people. So just to give you an idea of how to...
0: Like you said, they're decision makers. And they've already gone through that learning curve of how to take a business from scratch to a certain level. So it's easier for them to make that decision on improving their messaging. Absolutely. As opposed to someone who's absolutely broke... And they know that they are dealing with something like they have to take hundred decisions and to kind of uh, make them understand that how message how important messaging is, I think it's a difficult task for both as a coach and themselves as well. You know, like if I'm an entrepreneur and I have like I'm broke and i'm I have like hundred things to do, it's probably difficult for me to understand that messaging is something that I should focus on from day one. I would rather be focusing on other things that don't even matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And that's why my number, thank you. And that's why my number one piece of advice always, Guri, and it's not something people want to hear. You know, most most people aren't going to be successful entrepreneurs. That's just how the numbers work out. So for me, the advice is always, especially for my aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to this, who aren't entrepreneurs yet, you got to figure out the messaging before you leave your corporate job. Because that way you can actually focus your time without worrying about paying the bills. A job is going to provide that for you. That's what I did. I was at IBM for two and a half years before I quit. But before I quit, I had my messaging straight. I already knew what my customer segment was. I was already getting paid money to like coach people and, and the clients were just coming in. So I had everything figured out before I left. So I would encourage people to think more strategically that way. I think there's too much stigma over just jumping off an airplane and just picking up the pieces on the way down. Like why...
0: I'm, I'm actually, you know, you just cracked me up and it cracks me up all the time because I started this way. You know, I started without a plan B and I left my job without thinking or planning what I need to do next step. You know, what are my next steps? So I want to hear a little bit more about that. Like how did you transition from, um, let's say an employee um, and, you know, being the entrepreneur that you wanted to be? So
1: yeah. like? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So you know what I always like to say, here? there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's probably many others, but there's kind of like two big categories, right? The first one is the born entrepreneur. The person who is always selling on lemonade stands, you know, picking up people's flowers and selling it back to them. You know, the, two, yeah. the guy who's running uh, or the girl who's running like illegal uh, candy shops in schools. So like Gary Vaynerchuk is a great example of that. Mark Cuban is a great example of that. Like people who are just born entrepreneurs. And then you have the second type of entrepreneur who is the made entrepreneur. I'm in category two. So I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was never the goal. The goal is to be an executive at a company. It was an easy route to financial success. My parents worked really hard to immigrate from Sri Lanka to Canada. I wasn't going to mess it up by being a business owner. I, wanted, I I went to university, got all the right accolades, you know, got the great job, all that stuff. But... I would argue that most people who are listening to this, who are thinking about entrepreneurship, are not born entrepreneurs because born entrepreneurs can't hold a job. They're just always in entrepreneurship. They never went, They probably didn't even go to university. They dropped out really early. So within that frame, I'm really speaking to people who are made entrepreneurs, and only a small percentage of them are. So the only way to figure out if you're going to be an entrepreneur or not is a couple of things. I would say the first thing, Guri, that I did before I left corporate is I had a 6- to 12-month emergency fund. So I saved every penny that I made at IBM. I wasn't overspending. I wasn't buying a BMW like my friends were doing with the money I was making. I was saving it. And I still live in my mother's basement, by the way. Even today, even with the success I have now, I still live in my mom's basement, mostly to spend time with her. But I know money is all about leverage and anything can happen in entrepreneurship.
0: You know, I would say that's still normal for brown people. That's true.
1: (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. To this specific audience, you're right. So so take your advantage there. there. Mm -hmm. So so that would be the first thing is if you're if you're not able to save money correctly, it means you don't know how to manage money. And if you don't know how to manage money, you will die as an entrepreneur on the field. And the reason is because, like you're doing your own accounting, you're doing bookkeeping, you're talking with tax accountants, like you gotta know how to manage money. So if you don't have good habits and you're always spending, no way you're gonna make it as an entrepreneur, most of the time. I'm always wrong with some exceptions, but I always like to give advice to the majority. So that's number one. Number two is have a product that people are already paying for, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have something people want, you probably shouldn't quit, right? Uh, unless you're going to be like a tech entrepreneur, you want to take a ton of risk. I would say for most people, though, who are listening to this, who probably are entrepreneurs, you want to you want to make money before you quit. That means working on your side hustle part-time. And what...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you can't, can't work on a hustle of- part-time, you can't work on it full-time. So that's number two. And then yeah. the third piece is have a clear plan on how to replace 100% of your income. The goal is not to make a million bucks a year. The goal is to make exactly what you are making in corporate. Because if you can manage to make the same amount of money with the same amount of... Actually make more money in entrepreneurship because of all the tax deductions. So the goal for me was never to make a million bucks. It was to make 70K. And if I can make well beyond that, but let's say you make 70k, yeah. you're done, you win, because you can be an entrepreneur forever, which is the goal.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's an interesting conversation. So um, we were talking about the, the three mistakes that most, let's say, aspiring online entrepreneurs make. Um, and the first one that we discussed was not to quit your job before you have a plan B you know, in, in action sort of, or you, or do you have like savings for plan B?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. So, so I would say everyone's curious. So I would say the first step is really understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are. So I I just like using me as an example, because just that's who I understand. So then people can apply that to themselves. Is I knew that I'm a very strong corporate employee. So if entrepreneurship didn't work for me, I could just go back to IBM and do just fine. So that was my plan B. But for everyone else, that plan B is going to be different. For somebody, it might be be an Uber driver. For somebody, it might be, I don't know, partner with some other person's business. For somebody, it might be well, live with your mom, right? So, so everyone's different. But I think the principle is thinking about this a lot more thoroughly than most people do. Because most Mm -hmm. people just jump into things without really thinking strategically. Like, think about, like, right now what's happening, right, as of this recording. Like, a recession is hitting right now in the U.S. And I'm doing just fine financially, but I'm already thinking about the worst-case scenarios. What happens if my clients leave Mm -hmm. me? What happens if my my month – it's not happening right now because the recession is just getting started. But Mm -hmm. because as entrepreneurs, you always have to be proactive about these things. If you're not able to do that in your corporate job, just thinking proactively about the future – it's going to be really hard for you to succeed. A a good way of understanding this is that the best entrepreneurs, Gary Tan says this, is that they're pessimistic short-term and optimistic long-term. So what does that mean? That means they're very pessimistic about the day-to-day. Oh my God, uh, my client's going to leave me. Like they're almost paranoid. Oh my God, Gary's going to spit in my face. Like whatever, whatever, (laughs) right? Whatever it is, you're obviously not. But but they're very optimistic long-term. Or oh, if I do this for like 10 more years, I'll have a very successful business and life will be amazing. So you got you kind of have to balance both of these worlds where you're pessimistic short-term, where everything can go wrong and you predict everything's gonna go wrong. But in five years, life is gonna be like this fantasy dream. So it's kind of like this balance that you have to have.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, what would your advice be for a person who, let's say, let's say a mom, Who's not working anyway, and she wants to go online and do something for herself or anyone. I'm just being specific here, but anyone who does not have a corporate job and is not making enough money and seeing this, you know, this boom that's happening that everybody's moving online, and that person wants to do it. So, what would your number one advice be if they want to communicate properly uh, online?
1: Yeah, of course. And I always want to make sure I speak within context. I might not know the Indian economy as much as the as the U.S. one. Because if if we were talking in the U.S., I would just say, look, you got to definitely... you got to do. Yeah. Right. For sure. You just like... got. I, you absolutely. Go I'm just giving that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just giving that. pre. No, no, no. You're good. You're absolutely fine. So I was like giving that pretext because it's easy for me to say, like, if somebody lived in the U.S., there's no excuse. Or in Canada, it's like, yeah. look, go drive an Uber, go work at a coffee shop. There's a lot of jobs like people want to want you to work. So I think uh, I think that's the key. That's the answer. But not necessarily in India, right? That might not be the case. That might not be as easy. So I would say the easiest thing that people can do always is to put yourself in a... Awesome. Oh.
0: Yeah, go ahead. All good. We have a lot more light now. I'm going to cut yeah. this section.
1: <laughs> sure, sounds good. So, you know, what I, what I would say, Yuri, is like, in the context of moms who are looking to be entrepreneurs, I think the, the first piece of advice I would have is to find a way, is to really understand how to manage your money, regardless of what the amount is. Find an arbitrage. So what does that mean? That means even if it's 10 rupees a month, you want to get into the habit of being plus every month, not minus so the second you're not in debt, it's going to be a lot easier for you to think more strategically about the business. So that's always my number one advice. I'll give you an example with me. Might not work with everyone, but for the Brown community, if, since most of them are probably listening to that, it might make sense. Look, even with my success, Curie, I still live with my sister and my mother. And that's why we do well financially relative to our median income is very high. Not because we're like super millionaire rich. My mom works. I work, which has a pension. I work and my sister works. So we combine all three of our incomes together. And our living expenses are probably two, dollars $3,000 as a family. But we make way more above that. But we don't spend that. Yeah. We, we take it in the bank and we put it into other things. We invest it in other stocks and whatever. So it might not be as much for, for somebody in India. But start thinking more strategically around that. If the goal is really to be an entrepreneur, because once again, Guri, it's not for everybody. So I think that's the key. Start thinking around fighting, fighting against cultural it. societal norms. So many people tell me as an example, Oh, Brandon, you need to get married. You're 26 years old. You need to get married. You need to have kids. I don't care. Like, I honestly don't care. Like for me, it's like, no, I'm gonna get married. When I'm like 35. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna build my business. And then I'll I'll get a whatever, we'll see what the marriage is later. But like I'm not worried about that now because I don't want to take on the cost. Obviously, it doesn't always apply because moms already have kids, but I'm just throwing it out there. Think more creatively outside of your culture because the people who are successful entrepreneurs, Guri, by definition, need to challenge societal culture. Or they're not willing to first do that it's going to be much harder for you to break the rules to be an entrepreneur. That's step one. Step two is start thinking about other moms in your community. Start researching what other people are doing to make a little, not a lot, don't worry about the million, a little extra income every month that you're not thinking about. You know, there's a great quote by one of my coaches, Dan Sullivan. He's a very successful guy. And he says, our ears can only hear and our eyes can only see that of which we're looking for. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. If you're not looking for the opportunity, you'll never find it. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Let me just, I'm just going to spitball, right? Like, you know, selling food, like cooking food and selling it to like a community for Mm -hmm. like a small, like a very small price, a small margin. Maybe it's volunteering at your local supermarket for five extra hours and saving all of that income maybe it's i don't know buying a cow and selling the milk i don't know or in the context of the online space maybe it's looking at other desi moms in your region and seeing what they're doing and literally copying what they're doing so i think spending time researching what's already where people are already making money is always a good idea like for me like communication coaching has always been there. Like it's, yeah. it's always been a service. People have always charged for it. People have always made for it. I just felt I could do it better than anyone else in the market. So don't worry about finding the next Facebook. I don't think that's the way we need to do it. I think it's more about make a list of all the moms in the community that are making extra money. And just start interested. How are you doing that? And they'll give you 15 ideas. Oh, I'm cooking this. I'm doing this. I'm mm-hmm. doing something online. And then you just pick the one that you feel you could do as well.
0: Yeah. Well, my audience is mostly US based. And so I think that it's easier for them to see and understand that there are other female entrepreneurs who are already, who are already doing something. And so then it's easier for them to kind of replicate that. But so it's also going back to the, the first point that we discussed before, of uh, that understanding your main avatar and then seeing what's working and then replicating that. Does that make sense?
1: correct and the only way to do that and this is where I think a lot of people got it wrong is to not intellectualize it so what does that mean Mm -hmm. is don't think about it just do it like yeah now it's very easy for me to say this is my target market this is my niche this is my target this is how I scale it's easy for Brendan now to say that when Brendan got started he was like um should I target university students oh no they're broke uh, should I target tech CEOs? Oh no, they don't have any money because they haven't raised capital yet. Oh, should I target this? And I was just like running and swimming, but I kept trying. Like just to give you an idea, something yeah. stupid I really did actually, so people know how how dumb I was back then. I had I had this brilliant idea, and I'm being sarcastic, to send my <laughs> I YouTube know. videos. Right?
0: I, I understood that the moment you say said that, you know how dumb I was, it was like, oh, I started there. <laughs> Who did? <laughs>
1: Absolutely right. Like failure's just a part of the game. You gotta you gotta exactly. be able to do the reps. Like and the example I was going to give Guri is like I had the, the brilliant idea of mm-hmm. like sending emails to university professors because I didn't have those research those 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 resources when I was a kid because I was like, Oh my god, it's unlimited distribution. Because if the university professor likes my videos, they'll just share it with every student. I thought it was right. The thesis makes sense on paper.
0: Mm-hmm. But you got to
1: try it. So I tried it yeah. fifty thousand times. I emailed fifty thousand professors oh, wow. in Canada, and I was dead wrong. It was all a waste of time. All of them spat in my face. All of them told me my videos were crap, and all of them said, "Why are you talking addressing me my first name?" It was like they were super aggressive, super hostile, and I picked the wrong oh, market. So I lost. But if I thought in my head, oh, which universities are going to work and, and I just developed this master plan for 12 months, I would have wasted a year of my life versus like because I emailed them, I realized quickly, but I was stubborn because I was dumb. I emailed 50,000 of them. I should have stopped at 500 that they are wrong. But when I pivoted to podcast hosts, the whole business exploded because everyone's super open to new ideas. This is a community that wants to learn. They want to go. And I was like, why didn't I think about this three years ago? So yeah, you never get it right the first time. You Mm got to test a lot.
0: Well, that brings me to a question. Mm -hmm. What do you think about cold DMing or cold emailing anyway? Because a lot of people who are starting new love this idea that, okay, if we are are looking for clients or people who who might be interested in our product or services, let's just cold DM them. What
1: do you think about that? I think it depends on the service. I do a lot of cool DMs in my strategy and it does work, but I don't think it's the first thing that people should do. Like, is that the number one prioritizing? Probably not. I think the number thing that we, sh- we should be prioritizing is delivering free service for people and just to try it out. So for me, when I started communication coaching, obviously now I charge a, a pretty large premium for what I do. But when I got started, I mean, I was charging nothing. My first 70 yeah. students, this is before I even had the idea for a business. I coached them all for free. I got them all results. Like I was really good at what I did before before I started charging any money for it because I wasn't doing it for money. I was yeah. just I just love coaching. I mean, look at this. Like we're having yeah, a conversation.
0: That's also because you saved a lot of money. So there was not so much on the stake. Right. Very
1: true. 100% accurate. That's why, and, and I like this piece of advice, because I honestly think after talking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, that's the right advice for the majority. It's yeah. not jump jump the ship. You'll lose most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people on this podcast might message me and say, well, I didn't lose. I was like, yeah, but you're in the 5% man or mm-hmm. a gal. So yes, you're right. I had nothing to lose. And that's the point. I, I honestly think the best businesses are built by accident. They're the businesses that you would do regardless. Like for me, you can tell by looking at me now that you've met me. I love yeah. this. Like I love being on a podcast. I don't care if it brings a client or not. Like I just love having these conversations. I love coaching. But not not people are like that. Some people don't like that. Oh my god, it's really energy intensive.
0: Yeah. So it's I think
1: it's stressful. Right? Whereas I love media, but there's other things I hate to do. So I think that's the key, is really spending that time. Going back to your question, should you start with cold DMs? Absolutely not. I think where you start is with the network you already have. You pitch your idea to everyone in your current network, and you have conversations around them, and you try and strike good deals. So let's say and, – and you feel free to give me some examples of businesses your audience might have, but I'll just give you a couple of examples. Let's say you want to sell an infomercial product or something. I don't even worry about charging money. At the beginning i would worry about making sure you're getting results so i would go up to friends and family and just start going like i one of my clients right i'll give an example he he doesn't have a business he works as a corporate employee and he was like hey like i have the speed reading course idea and i'm really good at it and i said have you gotten results for people and they said sure and i was like okay cool like go to your friends and just charge them a three thousand dollar product for like 200 bucks 300 bucks because if they love are going to go up anyways because they're going to refer a bunch of people to you but worry about the product first and he made like three five thousand dollars he got like 10
0: people
1: and now he's working on it and if he doesn't get them results and i told them to do this just give and that's how you build reputation over time one conversation at a time whereas most people aren't willing to play that long game whereas when you figure out that one product it's going to be a lot easier for you to do that over time
0: Mm -hmm. yeah So, um, let's talk about the second mistake now, because otherwise, you know, I love this conversation. and know we can talk about like million things and we can go on and on, but let's just focus to, um, the three mistakes that we wanted to like talk about. So what's the second one that most people should kind of take care of?
1: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Agree. Let's, let's get back to that. So so the first one to recap was really not having enough conversations with the audience to re-message the offer for maximum out- outcome. People need to do that more. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is not making communication a priority. Why is that? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially business owners, don't make it a number one priority in their business. And I'll tell you exactly why. When someone is making, let's say, 50, 100 grand a year in their business, their focus is getting more sales. So they always come up to me or come up to you and go, oh, but communication's okay, but it's not like my number one priority. I don't focus on it, blah, blah. Yeah. So they'll practice a lot, right? And the reason I say that's important is because they don't they don't focus on the pain of what communication will do for them when they're making half a million dollars a year. Because as you scale the business, you need to ask yourself, are your communication skills scaling with your business? And that's a question zero people on this call are thinking about. Why is that? Because when you're doing half a million dollars a year or more, you're entering a stage of your business where you're taking your product or service and you're not delivering the work anymore. You're teaching other people how to deliver what you used to do,
0: mm-hmm. whether yeah. it's
1: selling the product, whether it's delivering it, whether it's ascending it, you're not doing the, the service anymore. So your communication skills better be sharp, because if you're not able to communicate what you know to other people really quickly, you're going to have massive inefficiencies in your business. So what does that mean? That means you need to practice communication on a consistent and frequent basis. And I'll give you some exercise. I'll give you one easy one that I teach in the YouTube channel. It's called the random word exercise. Like pick a random word, like phone, like screen, like camera, like post-it notes and give random presentations and just do this five times a day. It takes five minutes, that's all. What this does is it improves your resiliency as a communicator. What I always like to tell people, Yuri, is if we can make sense out of nonsense, we can make sense out of anything. Okay? If we can make sense out of nonsense, we can make You're sense out of anything. That. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so what's the point? What's the point of this? If you could talk about post-its for 60 seconds, if you talk about phone or camera, when you go back to your business, I mean, talking about your offers, going on a podcast and answering questions about your, your, your business and your thought leadership, that becomes a joke it's always about doing the harder thing first and most business owners aren't doing taking that seriously enough
0: mm-hmm. so what do you think um, like who should give more importance to or more attention to communication and messaging people who are just starting out or people who are already making let's say half a million dollars in a, you know, a month or a year maybe
1: i mean i would say it's equally important for both but it's easier to master than later and the reason it's earlier obviously there's a balance right it's because it, i want to give the full advice so if you're not making any money you're just getting started don't hire a coach right you're just getting started you don't yeah, need but- money so like but what i'm encouraging that person to do is like toastmasters it's watch these free videos on youtube listen to this conversation again implement the random word exercise. that doesn't cost money like it takes five minutes yeah. a day five times a day. There's there's no secret. You just do it every day. Like it's not it's not hard. It's just most people aren't willing to put in the time. So if you don't have money, you got to invest. But when you get to a point where you're doing fifty seventy five thousand dollars in the business as a side hustle, and you're making some money. Obviously, I'm using U.S. numbers, but bear with me. And you need rupees, right? And you're making some money in your side hustle. You're making some. You got a little extra money. Then I would start to encourage you to start spending a little of that. Whether it's in a cocktail party, whether it's in a networking event whether it's some program whether it's coaching and communication whatever it is that's when you want to start thinking about it but when you get to the half a million dollar mark i mean at that point it's like you have to like you're literally bleeding cash if you're not doing it and it, and it, and the reason i see you're bleeding cash but it, it's harder at that level too because you have so many things going on at this point you're not able to like think of elon musk he's <laughs> probably the number one example here yeah sure he could use yeah, a communication coach he could obviously <laughs>
0: yeah he's fed up <laughs> of launching so he's like let's buy twitter
1: <laughs> right right that's the thing right like and by the way i no no shot on elon i mean the guy's obviously way more successful than i am who am yeah. i to tell him but i think he's a great example of yeah he's really successful but he probably would have had an easier life if he had just gotten communication figured out when he was 17 when he was 22, yeah. after his first exit, like when he sold Zip2 to Compact and he made a lot of money, he probably should have just sat there for six months and said, "Okay, I'm 23 years old. I'm a multimillionaire. Maybe I should spend five thousand or three thousand on speech coach and then start my next company." That's mm-hmm. what I mean, Gary. Right? Yeah. But I think that the bottom line is, regardless of where you are, whether you're getting started, or whether you're making a lot of money or doing well financially, you should be actively proactively practice your communication because it's the highest leverage skill that will help you not just in your business but in every other area of your life like dating and relationship building Mm -hmm. and talking to your family
0: for sure i think communication is the number one skill that people should focus on whether it it, when you you know whether it um when i mean whether it leads to your business success or your relationships or anything else, communication is the number one thing because if you're not communicating effectively or correctly, you're basically not doing the things, you're not getting the results that you are actually hoping for, right? And you're not even, so I might just say something, but the other person might not be perceiving it the same way that I'm saying it or that I want to communicate them or that I want them to understand the way, you know? So I think communication is for sure the number one, the first skill that people should start working on. And it's, again, they might not be able to like master it in one day or 15 days or a month, 30 days maybe, or like in one year maybe, but they should start working on on it from day one. Well, but again, I would say that the number one thing along with communication is definitely get those sales in if you're starting out. That's, I still feel that it's the number one thing that people should focus on for sure. Because a lot of people, you know, what happens is when we share these advice, um, a lot of people think that there's something wrong with their communication and they, you know, start building that hamster wheel for themselves. And they forget that the number one thing, especially, and I'm talking about people who are starting out, and the number one thing is the sale. And if your business is not getting you the sale, that means you don't have any data. And like you said, that you, who is your client who's giving you the most money? And if you can't build that thing for yourself, then communication is probably not going to help you anyway. Am I right?
1: You're absolutely right. I definitely think sales is the number one priority. Getting something... To, for yeah. people to pay for giving a free service doing something to get mm-hmm. people excited about what you're doing mm-hmm. but true. yes when you start getting traction i highly recommend invest. like i invest what mm-hmm. 20 30 percent of whatever i back into me because that's the number one asset that appreciates and compounds over time right knowledge bills mm-hmm. compound over time not buying an expensive tv <laughs> so
0: true not buying bmw yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's recap. What are the first two mistakes that most entrepreneurs should avoid?
1: Number one mistake is they don't spend enough time talking to their audience, Gary. So they're not able to take the words that are coming out of their amazing clients' mouths and re-communicating back to the world to attract more people like them. It's very simple,
0: right?
1: Uh-huh. easy way to implement this, make a list of the top five questions that your clients ask you and make social media posts on the answers to those five questions, like mind blowing. I know, but it's like, nobody does it. Like, that's what I did with MasterTalk. I just asked my clients, what questions you got? They're like, okay, uh, can you break down this speaker? I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And then I just started doing that, like, that's it. So that's the first one. The second mistake is not making it a priority. It doesn't matter what stage of the business you're at, even if you're just getting started, whether it's financially or time-wise, it doesn't matter. You should be actively, proactively, consistently practicing. That means the random word exercise to keep it simple for today. Are you booking five minutes in your calendar tomorrow? And 5% Mm -hmm. of you are, 95% of you aren't, right? You're saying, oh my God, what a great tip. And then you don't do it. And then some of you who are really serious, okay, you know, I'm getting started. I can't afford a speech coach just yet, but I'm going to book 15 minutes in my calendar tomorrow to do the random word exercise. And those are the people that are winning. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: it makes sense to me. And so... Let's move forward to
1: the number third, the third mistake that most people should avoid. What's that? Yeah. Number th- third mistake, to test their offers. So, what does that mean? I call this the question exercise. Have we ever been in a situation where somebody asks us a, process, a question about our service that we don't have the answer to or we haven't properly thought yeah. of? If you're someone doing less than 100,000, guaranteed you're in situations where you're being asked questions you don't know the answer to. I can pretty much swear in blood. So, how do you fix this? And this, once again, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. That's why I'm very tough love here, Kiri. If this was a different audience, I'd be a lot more softer on the punches. Look, if you're not willing to press, you can't win. So what does that mean? That means specifically having people ask hundreds of questions about offer, your service, what you do until you're bulletproof. I'm not the oldest communication coach in the world, okay? I'm a pro- yeah. right? I started coaching CEOs when I was 22. I started mass talking when I was 22. I've been coaching since I was 19. I started charging for when I was 22, and I'm I'm a 26 now, so I'm very young. And I coach a lot of people who are double my age. So why in the world do they trust me, right? Let's let's throw it out there. Why is that? Yeah. How, how does that make any sense? Like, most people think I'm shy from that question. No, like I have a lot of C-suite clients who are double my age. Why do they trust me? And it's simple. Because I know more than any other coach in the pit. That's, that's not an accident. accident. The reason was when I started, I started Master, Master Talk when I was 22 or something. I had all of my, my friends who are bad people. And by I mean bad, I don't mean they're terrible human beings. I mean they're super kind, super generous, but they're tough cookies. So, they sat down in a room and destroyed me. Where does the fear of communication come from? What about this? Uh, your offer's too expensive. Oh, I hate your guts, blah, blah, blah. Like, they just threw everything at me except for everything. So, when I had an answer for everything and I got on calls with C level executives and they wouldn't take me seriously, I was a lot more mature than them. So, they would say something like, Oh, you're too young. And then I would just respond very calmly with answers like, because I already prepped that, I was already prepared. I would say, so Richard, tell me, why do you feel that's an issue for you? And I would just listen. They would go, oh, wow, this kid's really mature. And they'd say, oh, well, age is a blah, blah, blah. And I would say, really? And then at the end, they would go, okay, this guy's really, really understands what's happening. But if you're not prepped yeah. for those situations, if you're not pressure testing your offer, I don't think you could ever get to seven figures per one For sure. I
0: totally agree with that. I think grinding is like it has to be there if you want to be a successful entrepreneur it is there it's an inbuilt thing you cannot avoid grinding grinding yourself and just being grinded naturally like you know some big as an outcome of something that was not in your control (laughs) because sometimes we put our offers out and they don't work and we feel like oh we're just being you know like this is grinding and hustling is not something that we signed up for but then it's part and parcel, right? So I I I like that you brought it up because a lot of people think that the moment they expect that they put their offer out and people just jump on it, and that's not how it's going to happen. So you have to know your offer and your product and your sales as inside out. Plus, be ready to, you know, like you said, have answers to those hundred questions before you actually, you know, put your offers out. Am I correct?
1: You're absolutely correct. So that you're correct.
0: ready
1: for the grind. <laughs> absolutely. And and to make this simple, you know, for those who are getting started, might be scared of me, which is totally fine. I, I would say something I so. like, yeah, I, I, like, I like telling the truth. You know, I think a lot of people but jump around the bush and they don't get to the point. Whereas for me, it's all about, here's the easy thing to do, Gary. Good morning. Good morning. Book five minutes again. Okay, mm-hmm. and just ask, and just literally look at five minutes and say, "What's one question that my prospect's going to ask me this week?" What's one question I haven't answered? Write the question, then write the answer. But if you do that once a day, and it only takes five minutes, I'm not saying like rocket science stuff, right? Five minutes to do the random word exercise, maybe ten. Five. Do it with your nieces, your nephews, your kids. For those who are listening who have kids, I see that uh, you know, I know you asked about moms. And some
0: people
1: do. Some people do. Some people do, and some people, do. and then. Is ask yourself one question about yep. your offer every single day. Just not like a million. I'm 20 if I if I'm coaching people and I'm and I'm kind of twisting their arm a little bit, That's- but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like just do it once a year, three. Gary. That's 360 yeah. instances. You'll be so bulletproof. Like nobody's going to be able to get in your way.
0: Yeah. And so we don't really, like after 365 days, like you said, you're bulletproof and you don't really have to worry about, so worry so much about the preparation because you're already prepared in just 365 days as opposed to people who are just preparing for like four to five years. you right? And And, so and like then to push. Ready Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sorry,
1: you're I'm ready too... after
0: 365 days. <laughs> yeah, even better. <laughs> Me
1: too. I'm loving
0: this conversation.
1: Absolutely. Sorry. So, so sorry for interrupting you. I'm just too excited. And and to your point, let me push your analogy even further because you're right. But the other piece is if you ask 10 questions every day, you'll be bulletproof in 30 days.
0: Wow. Yeah. And it's just 10 questions. And if you're just, let's say you're taking a minute to answer one question, let's put that you know, timeline that just take one minute to answer one question. In 10 minutes, you're done. That's it. That's just 10 minutes a day. And you can do it while working. Like you don't have to quit your job before doing that.
1: What you said there was probably the most valuable thing of this whole conversation. You don't have to quit your job to do any of these things. And let me add on top if you're not willing to do any of these things, like for those of you who are listening, I'm very tough, love. Those of you who are listening, which is not the same as YouTube channel, very PR on the YouTube channel. For those of you who aren't booking the 15 minutes to do any of this stuff, don't be entrepreneurs, like this is not for you, like you're not gonna win this game. But for those of you who are booking those 15 minutes and are really going, you know, I have my corporate job, I'm curious about business but I'm booking, you're the people who are gonna win. And those are my kind of people.
0: I think one of the things that you have to love about entrepreneurship or becoming that successful entrepreneurship is that you have to fall in love with boring things or the things that are not so interesting. Like everybody wants to be on the podcast and be, you know, like that successful person or making a hundred thousand dollars a month. But then when it comes down to putting in effort and just 15 minutes a day does not sound that much, but what are you doing in those 15 days? Sorry, 15 minutes. If that is a boring task, it would seem like an hour or two hours to many people. And that's where you have to like you know draw a line for yourself that i am going to step up and i'm going to take that action for myself right otherwise yeah like you said forget about entrepreneurship just don't do it (laughs) it. okay so let's quickly recap and summarize the three mistakes and you know i'm i'm pretty sure that like you've shared so many other golden nuggets throughout this conversation and nobody's going to think that they just got three mistakes. I'm sure that people have like, you know, a lot to take from this conversation that we had just now. So um, let's recap and let's discuss and let's summarize those three so that we can then talk about your free offer for my audience, for my listeners.
1: Yeah, absolutely So, So the three pieces, such a wonderful conversation, by the Mm -hmm. way, great, great, great interview. So So the first one, the first mistake is, Be sure you're using the messaging of your own clients, the people already paying you, the people already love you to attract new people into your business. Most of us, we don't uh, value our winners enough, right? We don't. It's kind of like with family, where we take our families for granted. We take the great people in our life for granted. Don't take your amazing clients for granted. You know, even if you already have the money, you already have the relationship, they already love you keep nurturing that, you'll get a lot of ideas on how to re-message your offer. Number two is people don't make it a priority. That's the second biggest mistake. Learn to make it a priority. Practice communication because it's an essential skill set that will give you a strong competitive advantage in your whatever space you're playing in. Whether that's a coach or not doesn't really matter. It means are you are you putting 10 minutes 15 minutes a day to do the random word exercise to do the question drills and then number three is the offer if you want to scale your offer you need to be willing to put it up for criticism you need to have people poke holes in your offer until it's absolutely bulletproof and that's when you're going to have a lot of strategy calls because when you have when you've done the pressure test as much as I have and you're well, on a strategy call and you know someone needs your product and it, you know your certainty levels are going to be it, through the roof because you're confident in the, the results result, you've got seen it before you've pressure tested every possible scenario it, so every it, you're, you're going to have an answer and you're going to be able to deal with those yeah. objections and high, and bring your conversions up and what's great about this conversation Gary is you can make money from this episode just by implementing one or two of these ideas. If you just pressure test the offer, you do do you do nothing else. Let's say you disagree everything else, and your conversions increase by. I've made a lot more money and easily tens of thousands of dollars over the course of your entrepreneurship journey. So, so the mid entrepreneurs can make complete... hundreds of thousands of their career just by pressure testing your offers. So just. That's...
0: Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that. Like you have to do that, and otherwise there's no other way. Quit. <laughs> we're yeah. being so some people will not love us, I'm sure. <laughs> and so uh, let's move on to the lose. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're not here for to. We're not here for you to lose. We are here for you to take action and you know improve and grow basically. Exactly. So um, let's move on to the last section, which is um, share something that can help our listeners so that they can just immediately go and take action. I'm sure that we've discussed a lot. And like you said, that even if people just pressure test their offers, even then they can grow their, um, you know, their business by let's say 1% or 5%. then they can at least, uh, they can get more people into their ecosystem. But if you have a freebie or an offer that's going on, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. happy to. So I do a free training every few weeks over Zoom. This is not a recorded mm-hmm. webinar. People come on the call. It's super fun. I'm coaching people for free on the call. So for those of you who want to jump in on that, we do one every two weeks. You can register for that at rockstarcommunicator.com. Okay.
0: So I'm going to add this in the notes as well, but let's just say, could you spell that for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So R O C. K, so rock star, star, so rock star and then mm-hmm. so C O M M U N I C A T O R. Communicator. So rockstarcommunicator.com. Okay. communicator.com. Okay.
0: And then this is a free training that happens every week or every like once in a month?
1: Yeah, like twice a month.
0: Okay, try some. Sounds good. So um, I'm loving this conversation, but let's just end it for now um, because you know it's like 52 minutes, and I know that we can take this conversation for three hours or four hours as well. We have that potential, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but let's summarize it. And I was um, this was a great conversation. I had fun. We discussed a lot of things. So that for now your name correctly. I should have asked that before, uh, but I'm pretty sure I am. <laughs> so it was great having you here on the Guri show. I am like looking forward to our conversation some other time as well. And yeah, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Guri. Such a pleasure.